Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to of the world outside of that. That's why sports are important. Life is good if you're an Arsenal fan right now. The North London Derby in the bag, you're riding high at the top of the league. Arsene Wenger has shown his face at the Emirates mm-hmm. and not been booed unceremoniously so we can forget about all the uh, you know yeah, all the latter that. years yeah I mean the, the unpleasantness so. yeah, yeah. 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 and to cap it all off Ian Wright is on the second captain's world service this week hey Murph alright Owen how are you uh, you're table thumping already I know barely 30 seconds into the Ian promo Wright. and you're thumping some tables would you have known Ian Wright was 28 when he signed for Arsenal oh. Patton just told you well see uh, you know I remember him mainly as a Crystal Palace player what? I mean, my main memories of Ian Wright are as a Christian. Are you Palace. serious? No, of course not. Oh, but I do remember. But I I was like, how many goals do you have to score for Arsenal for you to forget about the uh, 1990 FA Cup final? I know, yeah, no, no, I do. I do remember. Oh, a substitute scores two goals. Unbelievable. Well, it was Wrighty and Brighty, wasn't it? Wrighty and Brighty. Like, come on. It's an extremely redolent nickname. Yeah. At a very, you know, specific time in my football watching yeah, career. When yeah, that, yeah. that FA Cup run, that FA Cup final and replay are seared onto my brain for some Well, as a Manchester reason. United fan, you obviously then had to deal with Ian Wright being a provocateur in many of those fixtures yes. during the, the heady days of that rivalry. But yeah, he was 28 when he signed them, and yet he still had the time and the ability to write himself into Arsenal's illustrious history. Bergkamp. On right! What a way to get it! He couldn't miss! And all the tension, all the fretting... Over the past few months, as we've all counted, no one more than Ian Wright himself. He is now Arsenal's all-time greatest goal scorer. 179 goals for the club. Six years of scintillating service here. And when the goal came, probably the easiest of the lot. Martin Tyler on commentary there as Ian Wright broke Arsenal's goal-scoring record which had belonged for so many years to Humer. Cliff Baston. Yes, oh. and not Marco Vin Baston as you said on today's podcast. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't actually say on. Marco Vin Baston but you did say Vin Baston. Yeah, I'm not going to go around explaining myself but Google the 1948 All-Ireland winning team for Waterford in the All-Ireland turning final. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. These days, Ian Wright is one of my favourite pundits. I think he, he gets the balance bang on between tactical analysis being able to talk about the wider issues around the game that pundits need to be adept at now and also having a bit of a laugh while he's doing 
what he's doing is punditry and this is a balance he took a long time to get right in his own head as he explained to our World Service members today right he may remember it didn't go straight into football punditry after finishing up playing instead he took the unusual step of hosting TV chat shows but why? Agents <laughs> I wanted to do I wanted to do two years of nothing and maybe in those two years I could have took my time to maybe do the badges just to have them but um in the end, I had agents that were very much wanting to continue on the commission side of things and making sure that the money was still flowing. I'm not even going to lie about that. I've got to take I've got to take some of the um, responsibility of not sticking to my guns and saying that's what I want to do. But then all of a sudden, you're interviewing Mariah Carey and Denzel Washington and Elton John and that. Kind of you kind of get a little bit lost in your head with, wow, I'm going to be I'm a star. I'm a I'm a star. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm Michael Parkinson all of a sudden. <laughs> And so, you know, it was very hedonistic for me. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then what happened is, is that you're in it for a couple of years, guys. And then I started to realize this isn't where my passion is. This is not what I want to do. You know, I mean, television studios continually having to re-record stuff and wait on big superstars, whether they're going to turn up on time or not, or they might just turn up out of the blue and you've got to go and do it whether you're ready or not. I didn't like the way it was. It was, and I don't like the falseness of the whole world. Um, in respects of light entertainment and shiny floor stuff. But like, I missed football. And I remember it was, um, I think Niall Sloan. Niall Sloan was at the BBC. And I went and done it. And I really enjoyed it. I'd done the first one. I'd done one with Des Lynham. And I really enjoyed doing it. But at the the time, it it was pure vibes and just like personality. You know what I mean? I would not be able to look back at stuff I done then and if anybody shows it to me I will be very angry with them in, in the stuff that I was doing because punditry and the way it is now is totally different to how I see it now how, how it was then because I was just having fun then just just going off of vibes but like once once I really got into it and realized that this is where my passion lied it wasn't with the the television it wasn't with the the, um, the, the, the interview shows and the, the Friday nights all rights and stuff like that I needed to be involved with football. And so, you know what I mean? Once I got in, then then I started to really say, right, let me let me get going with this because I do love it. I love it more than anything. To be able to have played football for a living and then talk about it, I'm I'm really blessed in that respect. So when you when you were like what I mean, when you when you were doing punditry in the early days, mm. you didn't really approach it as a serious job or what I no. mean so how, no. so what was your what was your idea at that at that stage like i mean were well, you, you i still saw the no i still saw the game and you, you said stuff um when you saw the game in respect to the analysis but i found that i didn't get the opportunity to speak as much as i wanted to because everybody saw me as the jovial guy i remember saying and doing an interview saying they saw me as a bit of a court jester because you'd have alan hansen would answer a question alan shearer might answer one and then by the time it comes to me um, there's nothing really to say, but the, the, the like Gary Lineker's kind of finishing joke to link to the next bit. And finally, and felt, Ian Wright yes, for some banter. Yeah, and it, it felt like that, but what, what people didn't see was during the game, I would make observations. <laughs> I'd make observations of stuff that was happening on the pitch. <laughs> and then Alan Anson would nick it off me. So before, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he would just mention it. Well, that's the, shameless. The, did he? Did he do that first... more than once? Yeah but, yeah, but remember my inexperience at the time, just watching the game and said, "Oh my gosh, look at the right back. If he does that again, and they pass it there, then and then all of a sudden, Alan Hansen was like Gary Lineker would obviously go to him first. And so Alan Hansen, what I learned very quickly to not do anymore was 
I would say something. And he would say that. So then what I'm thinking I'm going to get to say by the time they come to me with my question, it's, it's gone. Did it's you ever have, have words with him about that? Like maybe no. I'll stop stealing my... No. No, not at the time. No, because like what that showed me is that I had to learn to, to stop talking, bro. But the fact is, is that my problem was, is I'm so passionate when I'm watching a game, watch so passionate when I'm watching a football match. I just say what I'm seeing. I say, oh my gosh, look at that. He's gone too far up. And then he'd nick it. Isn't it my stuff? <laughs> so then I, so, you know what I mean? And so that's what happened. You ask anybody, ask anybody. If you ever speak to Shearer, ask Shearer if he's ever, if, if, if he nicked any stuff off of him. <laughs> oh, but like, you know something? And then I started to get um, very frustrated with it because then you, you can't get to say anything. And even when the time came where you did, they're you, the, the, the counting you down. So then you're starting to get your words mixed up because you're trying to speak fast and they're counting you down. And then, and then you know, so I, I started to not enjoy it as much. It, it, it used to be like, oh gosh, here we go again. You know what I mean? And again, people used to say things like, why is he in right last all the time? And I remember there was one time Gary Lineker had done something to me, um, which was really quite, um, which, which he does anyway, is that he came to me first out of the blue without telling me. Yeah. And I was a little bit stumped by it. And what I said um, I said something and then he kind of like made reference. Um, okay, came to you first. And then bam, he went on. And it was like, bro, you just put me away. Why didn't he just, why didn't he say to you, I'll come to you first? All he needed to do, yeah, well, that's all he needed to do at the start. Just say, just say before, you know, listen, I'm going to come to you first, right? So get, get ready. Yeah. But he didn't. And so it was, again, it turned into a, a jovial, jokey moment, which probably would have sufficed, but it wasn't. Now I look back at it, I realized. Um, that you know, I, I was literally being the butt of jokes some of the times, which wasn't good for me. Yeah, and I mean, my confidence. It wasn't good for my confidence. Well, what what did you do then? How did how did that change? In your, was it is it something that you kind of thought about? Yeah. and came to realization yeah. I need to change, or, or was it the, the whole environment of country? No, no, did I, change I, a bit. I tell you what. What happened is at the time I was uh, I was on a radio station and I done a I done a piece in the newspaper talking about how I feel punditry should be. And I was being very frank about it without being so outlandish telling you like what Alan Anson used to do to me in respect to nicking some of the stuff. But <laughs> what, what, what I did say was, I don't like the way it is. It's too, it's too formulated. It's too rigid. People should be more relaxed. People should be jovial, more jokes in respects of banter with each other. So it shouldn't be your question, then your question, then your question, then back to you and stuff like that. And so I said that in a column and they didn't like it. Um, the BBC, they didn't like it. And I was literally off television. It worked out to about nine years. So in the end, i just done radio, absolute radio, who were unbelievable to me. And I used to cover the football. And all that done is just put me in a place where I'd done more research. I'd done a lot more stuff in respect of trying to find out more about being given information and trying to give insight. And I started to enjoy it a bit more. And so then what happens was, is I was doing that, doing the radio, and to be honest, I had to go go to um, Saudi and that a couple of times to do some stuff with Al Jazeera at the time it was. And I used to get a lot of time to speak and I just found my love back for it. That's all what happened. I got my love back for it. And then I came back to England when I was doing my stuff in England. And then ITV wanted me to do um, something for Laurie Cunningham, who unfortunately passed away and they was doing the documentary on him. And people said, well, you can't do it. You've got to have Ian Wright involved in it. You know, Laurie Cunningham was his idol and this and that. And they didn't want me in at the first. And then in the end, they said, okay, we'll get him into it. But the guy who was my manager at the time said, if you get him in, can you give him a game? 
so as he could do a game as well. He'll do it if you give him a game. And so i done it. It went really well. And then I, they gave me a game, Brentford against, it would have been Brentford against Chelsea in the FA Cup. And I was very fortunate because to not be on television that long, to then come back and be on with Martin Allen, who I don't know what he was dealing with at the time, but he made me look amazing. Um, some of the stuff he was saying, I had to correct him on certain things and it carried on. And so it kind of went from there in respect of, oh, where's Ian Wright being? And then Bama came back and then that's why I came back and went with um, with ITV. And then when I left the agent I had in 2018 and then I got new management, everything kicked on because we've gone into it in in a big way in, in respects of knowing what we're talking about and getting the nuance and making sure that we've got our narrative right and making sure as well that we know what's going on so as we can talk about it. I've learned a lot from the mistakes I made when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing story, Ian, really, to, to be able to to reinvent yourself from this kind of situation where you got a bit trapped into what you mm. are now. And what you are, what you are now is a kind of, is a wise man, an elder statesman. Wow. <laughs> no, really. Like, and, uh. and, and you have a reputation for being someone who helps people who are, you know, young uh, football players, mm. even young journalists, uh, that you, that you are someone who can kind of, who they come to and, and who's yeah. helping them out with sort of advice and support, uh, which, now, what I wonder is, what would you, I mean, this is a general type of question, but I mean, what, what do you say? One of the one of the big things that's different now, for instance, about mm. when you're on, um, when you're on TV compared to when you were starting out, mm. is you can now, as soon as you finish, uh, look and, and on Twitter, there's like 2,000 comments on what it is you've yeah. just done. So, I mean, mm. what, what is it, to, you know, when, when people come to you looking for mm. sort of help, advice, I mean, how do you, um, what's the kind of, uh, any pointers? I'd yeah, you got to do the work because that's what I did. It's the work you got to find out. You know what I mean? I want to know what fans are saying. I want to know what, how they're training, what they're doing, why things are happening. You find out things so that you're giving, not you're giving not only information but you're giving insight. That's one of the things I want more than anything else. And when I speak to the people, I said, you know, it's always from a place of love and passion because it's driven. My football is driven by that. It's pure love and passion. And I'm just, I'm never trying to take the piss out of people. I'm never trying to, you know, you know I'm, I'm never trying to make people look stupid or anything like that. Nothing like that. So when I'm speaking to anybody, I'm saying, make sure you do your work. Make sure you enjoy what you're doing. Give people insight. Speak to people like you speak to people who don't watch football. You're trying to make them understand what's just gone on. And I enjoy doing that. And, you know, when people come up to me now and they say, yeah, I saw you on the World Cup. It was really good. I saw you in the ladies. I saw your match of the day. I really thought what you said there was right. Or some people say, I didn't agree with that. And then some of the time, especially if I'm in the pub, which is always a cool place when you, you know, if you're sitting there and someone comes up and says, yeah, well, what's happening with Earl and Harland? I didn't agree with what you said about this. I say, and then I'll talk about it with them. I'll just talk about it. And, and you know what I mean? Because it's about opinions. And this is what I say to people all the time. It's about opinions. So what you're saying out there, make sure if you're, you, you can back your own opinion and try and make sure you're backing it up with facts. Ian Wright, what an absolute gent and what a guest. What a guest he was today. We also talked to him. That's just a little snippet of the chat we had because we also talk about Arsenal's rampant form this season, of course. He was great on the potential of Evan Ferguson. Yes. Big, th- big things to say about Ferguson yeah. and how Brighton need to basically just build their team around him. <laughs> and there we you agree. Go. We, we agree with that one, Ian. That wasn't too contentious. But the one takeaway is just don't open your mouth if you're on a TV punditry panel with Adam Hansen. <laughs> he will steal your ideas. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he's he didn't even he's never even apologized for it. I mean, hey, sorry. This this is just the game. Don't pl- don't blame the pundit. Blame the game. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is... Stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. US Murph is showing up regularly on the World Service at the moment because the playoffs are on. He's in great form, isn't he? He is in he great really form. Is. I mean, he's happy. I, I I hate to narrow down his entire mental state to how well or badly the San Francisco 49ers are playing football at any given time. But the San Francisco 49ers are playing some pretty good American football right now. So Brian Murphy's got a smile on his face. Next up is for the 49ers is the latest installment of their historic rivalry with the Dallas Cowboys a Cowboys team with a serious issue to address after their kicker Brett Maher missed four extra points in a row in their previous game against the Buccaneers. In my lifetime which is getting up there um, the one of the biggest changes that Polly Mack my partner and I have noticed through the years is the incredible efficiency of NFL place kickers compared to when I was growing up. So when I was growing up, like a 45-yard field goal was like, whoo, baby, eh, white knuckle time, some sweat pouring down the forehead. Nowadays, guys are just routinely kicking them from beyond 50 yards. For example, the 49ers Seahawks game uh, last Saturday, the, the Seahawks sort of gasp that put the Niners on edge a little bit was a 56-yard field goal right at halftime. By their kicker Josh, uh, their their kicker Josh Myers, I believe his name is. And anyway, he made a fifty-six yarder, no problemo. And so that's where we're at right now. We're like fifty-six yarders are now. They're not routine, but they're fairly effective. Fifty-six mm. yard field goals, which is amazing. Now you think about this guy not able to make a PAT, and as your to your point, Caron, that. It should be a very close game on Sunday. I'm ex- I'm anticipating a pretty exciting close game. And if it comes down to the kicker, they got a big problem, man. And that's good for the Niners, bad for the Cowboys. And you know, I've always said through the years, uh, kick it's it's just not very romantic or sexy, but kickers write history. They really do. Legacies and lives are determined by kickers throughout the history of the NFL. And I'll just give you two blatant examples. One is the Buffalo Bills kicker Scott Norwood who missed the field goal that could have beaten the New York Giants. And that one was only in the 40s, guys. I think it was like 47, 48-yarder. 
and he missed it. And the Buffalo Bills then, and we talked about these guys last week, became the team that never won a Super Bowl despite four consecutive trips to the Super Bowl and also partially inspired the movie Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, right? Laces out. Uh, so that that kick changed Marv Levy, the coach's legacy. It changed Jim Kelly, the Bills quarterback's legacy. It changed the city of Buffalo's sports culture's legacy. Conversely, your guy Tom Brady, who's the king of the world, who's the master of the universe, had to have two gigantic kicks save his hind. Uh, actually, more than two, but I'll just give you the two from his first ever Super Bowl run. A kicker named Adam Vinatieri, who is one of the best kickers in the history of the game, kicks a field goal through the driving snow uh, to beat the Raiders in 2001 in the playoffs, and then kicks a long field goal to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl that Brady wins. So Brady's legacy has been greatly, and Vinatieri hit several other big kicks throughout the years for Brady. Brady's legacy was greatly bolstered by kickers. The Bills' legacy was destroyed by a kicker. So it's not fun or sexy to talk about, but it ultimately (laughs) writes history. Brian, you make everything fun and sexy to talk about, even missed extra points. Come on, that's why we have you on here. You mentioned the Cowboys and the 49ers, this being uh, steeped in history. One uh, episode that sticks out in my head is the catch, the the Dwight Clark catch. We've talked to us about that before. Possibly your favorite ever sporting moment. But there's tons of them, right? This This is a fixture that gets your juices flowing anyway. Yeah, I sent out a tweet about this, and it's kind of funny if you look about it. This one is through the... Why this one is so cool compared to others. First of all, it's flat out, It's kind of interesting to look. What are the most common matchups in the history of NFL playoffs? Like, I always like to ask for those Irish sporting analogies. Like, like what's the most common hurling GAA final of all time? Like, is it Cork Kilkenny? Just just before you joined the call, I uh, referred to it as Dublin Kerry in football. Okay, Um, there you go. As in, like, you're talking about, it's not so much a kind of underdog takes on overdog, but it's like a meeting of... Of giant franchises, two, two, yes. two legacy franchises that will be there more often than not in the end, right? Yeah. Um, is it? Is that? Is that? You guys must have the numbers. It'd be fun to look up. What is the most commonly played football final, and what's the most commonly played hurling final in the history of GAA? I need that info. It's too late now for US Murph, Kieran. But have you got that info? Uh, the info you're looking for is the most commonly played All Ireland final in mm-hmm. football and hurling. Twenty eight times. Dublin and Kerry have met. So I was correct when I suggested that it was probably Dublin and Kerry. 28 times they've played. Uh, the hurling is Kilkenny and Cork, 24 times. No, oh, because you weren't, you see, as that clip went on on the World Service, I suggested Kilkenny and Cork and you didn't seem quite so certain at the time. Kilkenny and Tim have played was, a lot over the yeah, course of the last 15 years. 20 times they've played each other. Okay, so, so a bit of distance there. Listen, I'm just happy to fill in the gaps. You know, <laughs> it's nice at the end of the week to just sweep up all of the yeah. The questions we weren't able to answer in real time. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up now to hear our interview with the legend Ian Wright. That's out now. He's in great form. And I'm sure you you won't be disappointed. Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus VAT for that. You'll hear all episodes ad-free if you become a member. And of course, the Second Captains podcast is part of a creator network. But which creator network? Uh, that would be the one and only, the yeah. greatest, the top of the tree, the big cheese, the big dog yeah. in the creator network game. That's ACAST. ACAST. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those those, those boys. The second captains. World service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. 
it's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.